Cody's right here, so. Oh, we talked about it. He cold topped it. Okay. Ready to go. Yeah. Oh, we shanked it. Oh, look at that line, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy, is he on the sink. Welcome back to another episode of the Bogey Boys podcast. You're joined here by your host, Kevin and Mark. It's been a minute. Well, it's been a week. It has been, been a week. Weeks. It's been two weeks since we've been back, but with good reason as well. We're finally launched, aren't we? We are launched. Take off. Three, two, one, go. We had a good little launch party, didn't we, on Friday, was it? Very good. It feels like about yeah. a month ago. Though. Very good. Very, very good, to be honest, yeah. Obviously, just an opportunity for us to share the hard work that we've been through over the last 18 months to bring appear on clothing to life and give everyone the opportunity to have a say, really, for friends and family and have a few beers and just share the moment, wasn't it? No, it was great, yeah. The um, suggestion box went down well, didn't it? It did. You've not seen the messages, have you? <laughs> have you seen the messages? No, but it just everyone that kept just telling me, I was like, write it down. Like, I can't be bothered. <laughs> it's good just to gather everyone's feedback and then what you do, the more people's opinions you get, the more you realise you can't please everyone. So if people are going to buy it, they're going to buy it because they like the style, they like us, they like the detail, they like the name, they like the logo, they like the material. People talking about our oh, badge placement, or I wouldn't have this, wouldn't have that, then they're probably not going to buy. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles, isn't it? Like you look at something, someone's put hard work and effort into that, and it's on the shelf. And yeah, the, 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 proof, the proof of that is you can look at 20 golf brands that are out there now, and there'll be some that I really like, and there's some that I really don't like. And it's just an opinion thing. You know what I mean? Some people will really like what we do. Some people will not like what we do, and that's fine. Um, Obviously, just to hope there's more that like it than don't. Well, I think it's just that line of not pleasing everyone and bringing out a, a product and adapting and moving and changing and growing and bringing out a better product or bringing out a new product. Or if someone likes one color, like we've got the black plethora hoodie and the blue Kalon half sip swapping them around and bringing them out so people have got the choice of, of both. Of colours, yeah. Well, that's what the range will grow. We're already working on uh, launch number two, which we're expecting in February. We're going to be attending the um, the golf show in Birmingham, aren't we? The Bunkered Golf Show yeah. in February. Then we're going to the British Golf Show in May. So, you know, it's an we're opportunity. Going to the for... Ar- when's the Irish one? The Irish one's at the end of March. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've got quite a few shows that we're going to be attending and showcasing the, the clothing as well. So, for anybody who's not aware of, of what we've been doing over the past 18 months, um, Kevin and I made the decision to start a clothing brand, didn't we, Kev? We've we did. Designing the logo, creating the name, creating the vision, creating the the values, what we wanted to achieve through the through the clothing line, uh, what the style was like. We've been back and forth. We've been around the globe, really, looking at fabrics, haven't we? Literally. Literally around the globe, yeah, getting different fabrics, understanding what type of sport fabric that we wanted to bring to the market and then we obviously got set we got it made and it's now on its way obviously it's it's ready for pre-sale now if you wanted to go and have a look on the website and anybody who does want to order now if you use pre-20 you'll get 20 percent off everything um we're expecting delivery to land in the uk in the next two weeks and then it'll be obviously distributed out to anybody who's ordered uh, within within that that same week yeah so it's been a journey hasn't it it has. I was just thinking back then as you were talking to the first day when we got them booklets from China and they landed on that table 
and we were going through them and we were yeah. drawing collar lengths and like having a go ourselves until we brought Saeed in, who's got who's a garment technologist who had the knowledge and the 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 speaks the, the technical, technical clothing lingo. Yeah, yeah. And it's I think what we've done is we've built the team, haven't we? we we've have, got a designer now, we've got a garment technologist, we've got our golf experience. Um and I think together we've brought out a brand that fits in the market well. Well, that's what we believe. Obviously, we're we, we know the historic values and what the golfing communities want because we've been in and around that for so long. Um, we obviously know what the modernised look looks like, don't we? But one other aspect of what we're doing as well is the appear on athletes, isn't it? Shall we talk a bit about that? Yeah. As you say there, it was just a new concept that we... Well, it's not new. People have been helping athletes out for ages, but a new concept to our company where we're just finding, hashing out some details on getting athletes to wear our clothes and it works as a two-way street helping each other to grow the game. Across the podcast, anybody who's listened from the very beginning, what we've always tried to do is provide a bit of information and a bit of guidance for the next generation of golfers through the podcast interviews that we've done with players who've been there and done that. And obviously one thing that we did find is that the financial burden has always been a real struggle for golfers, isn't it? And what we want to do is we want to try and give back to the community of golfers you know we can hopefully support golfers for a season through clothing through travel through whatever um and the appear an athlete program is going to allow those players that are part of that program to excel and just concentrate on the golf isn't it that's the aim million percent and I think i've read a thing out to you like a, a high tide raises all ships so the bigger we grow the more our clothing brand glows grows the bigger the reach goes the bigger the pot of money the more you can help subsidize players like yeah. even if the sales were marginally low and you can give someone a tenner for a cup of coffee it's something and hopefully it's going to be a lot more than that supporting them <laughs> through a season or a, or a entry fees and everything but i'm just going on a, a scale where whatever we earn a percentage of that will go to athletes and yeah, the appear an athlete program is bigger rather yeah, than smaller. The appear an athlete will be a percentage of the money that we earn will be placed back into golf um, to help these golfers. We'll be supporting amateurs and professionals, and we'll be reaching out to people that we've already had initial conversations with, and we'll be providing more information about that as the as the weeks go on. But if you are interested in having a look or ordering on pre-sale, or if you want to just wait until the 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 products actually get here, the website is www.appear on dash clothing.com and appear on is spelt just like kev's cap a p e i r o n right then right then on to some golf there's a certain little match that's been announced this week what do you think of that i think it's better than it's better than having celebrities there yeah i think so for for golf and where we are now i think with the current climate with everything that's going on with live, and we're talking about that being potentially exhibition golf, as people are calling it, I think to have an exhibition match with four of the best players in the world and all friends as well, I think you're going to get that banter. They're going to be mic'd up. You're going to get to see, you know, you look at Tiger. What did Tiger say to at the Open? Well, are you coming the Champions Dinner? You coming the Champions yeah. Dinner to JT? So you've got all that. You know, they're, they're all. Close. Well, that's why I think I was thinking like. Woods and Thomas would have been a good team, but them opposite each other is good as well, isn't it? Where they can like, it's not, it's like it, me and it, you were decent when we're together, but we're well better at getting yeah, 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 each other, yeah, aren't we? Exactly that. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let's say it's a mention Tiger Woods there Just as well. Just the last one, the only thing's filling out. I think what did they both shoot one over or something or level par? Yeah, 
it was a playoff and for the ages and it yeah. just it was a bit like yeah, the team aspect wins the day, doesn't it? You need to have a bit of a team aspect and a one-on-one for th- these things because, you know, watching just two players play 18 holes going on each other when they're not playing the best is not the no, best viewing, is it? hopefully, like, Rory, the form that Rory's in, so it's targeting Rory, isn't it, against Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth? Like, Spieth always brings some sort of madness, doesn't he? Oh, he'll chip in or hole a 50-footer. And obviously, Thomas is solid as a rock. Rory's solid and then... Woods is just, he's the needle moving, isn't he? You just don't know what, what Tiger will turn up. But we hopefully see more of Tiger. There's news and rumours this week that he's going to potentially try and get in the Hero Challenge in, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, that would be unbelievable. That would be to his see first competitive game back since the US Open, yeah. Just better than him well, since the hyping, Open, it, hyping everything up for a major. Yeah. like And you could see he was struggling. Yeah. No, you could, yeah. Obviously, that first hole didn't help. Are you talking about the Open? I'm talking about the Open. I'm more Sorry. talking about the Masters when he like it was all geared up to get him to the Masters, and it wasn't. It was probably too soon for him. Right but now, okay, yeah. if he's thinking about playing the hero, like he's on the bag for Charlie, he's walking around. He's obviously a lot fitter. Yeah, and just if he can play a few events plus the majors and his own events, it's and his ones with Charlie. It's it's a nice seeing Tiger five six times is better than none. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> seen him once is better than none. Yeah, seen him at St. Andrews is better than anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it should be good to see, obviously, Tiger back. We'll hopefully get to see him three times in the lead up to Christmas. The PNC with Charlie, as you've mentioned there, the Hero Challenge, and now this match, which takes place on the 10th of December. That'll be great. Yeah. And the other bit of news I've got is, um, it was a couple of weeks ago, it was announced, and we didn't do a podcast last week, but the DP World Tour schedule for next year has been announced. Um, one of the Biggest announcements that they've made financially for for a while. So, um, not he had just two, didn't he? No, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, with the with the financial presence of Live now, and obviously what the PJ Tour are doing, and you've got that alliance between the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and it's been quite negative for the DP World Tour recently with the yeah. news of the top ten go over to the PJ Tour. You're losing your best players. What's happening to the DP World Tour? So it was quite refreshing to see the concept of um, what the tour and the vision of the tour is going to look like moving forward. There's a few negatives to it, which I'll come on to in my birdie bogey bus, but just talking about the positives, um, it's going to feature a minimum of 39 tournaments across 26 countries and offer an overall prize fund of $144.2 million, which in, in terms of how that looks compared to other seasons gone by, that's $50 million more than 2021. So where are they just whipping that over them? It's, you know, it could be anything. It could be because they're going to new countries, they're getting more sponsorship money. Um, you don't get to see the ins and outs of it, but if they're spreading it across 26 countries, they're going to Australia twice, they're back over in South Africa. They've got six co-sanctioned events with the Sunshine Tour to start the season. They've got four new tournaments in Asia. They're returning to Korea for the first time in 10 years. So, you know, spreading the the tour around the world, the DP World Tour, as they were calling it, moving from the European Tour, is obviously the, the concept that they're going for. There's an increase in bonus pool of $6 million as well being shared amongst the top eight players at the end of the season rankings. So like the pip sort of thing? So yeah, the top six in, in the rankings. Based, it's just going to be based solely Just on... flight money in it to get them to the PJ Tour. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Well, that's it. So the DP World Tour have introduced a new programme which is going to guarantee minimum earnings. So you've got exempt players in categories 1 to 17. They're going to be guaranteed minimum minimum earnings of 150k if they compete in 15 or more events. So it's like a 
a smaller version of the what half the a million. Tour doing. Yeah. If you look at the top 20 players in the Challenge Tour who've come through this this season, they will be over the moon with the fact that they're going to be guaranteed 150k. A million percent. If they're in that. I'd, 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 actually, I'm not sure if they're in them categories, I would assume. So, 1 to 17, but um, I can have a fact check for Doc on that one, but <laughs> um, but yeah, even like seeing you know, Doc messaged in saying fact check for Doc about something. Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, what we're looking at now, we've got to say it, it's going to begin in Brisbane in Australia at the end of the month, and then obviously go into them sanctioned events on the Sunshine Tour over in South Africa. So uh, we've got South That's Africa. That's where my whole journey in Australia began. That Brisbane was it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> memories for life. Yeah, but what do you think of the whole? DP World Tour and what they're doing Listen, and the concept. It, like, of I just think that being a World it Tour, just, it just it's like live come along and then the PG Tour all of a sudden pull all this money out of thin air and start twenty million here, twenty million there, fifteen extra events, five hundred grand for everyone that starts. Now all of a sudden the DP uh, DP World Tour have whipped a load of money out the hoop, and then you've also got the Clutch Tour now pumping more money at the at that at that lower level. It's good. good for the game of golf. No, of course, million percent. Yeah, and that's what we want to see. When we were talking earlier about like what we want to do from our perspective, we're nowhere near at the level of these tours and got that type of funding. But if we can get a pool of money together through profits from our clothing brands and we can support, whether it's local, national golfers, to pursue their dream, then any anything that we can do to help is, is always a bonus, isn't it? Well, that's it. It's just it's giving back and it's... It's creating an ecosystem, isn't it? That's what we want to do, yeah. Well, yeah, from one end of the scale of what we're trying to do with amateurs and young professionals to bring them through to the other end of the scale of Bernard Langer shooting two shots lower than his age, 63, and, and getting his 44th Champions Tour win. Yeah. That is mental, isn't it? Yeah, I think they can, somebody put a tweet out, and if you convert his whole earnings on the... um on the Champions Tour, he'd be like 19th on the PJ Tour earnings. Would he, yeah? Yeah. There you go. He's only been on it for, well, he's only, obviously only been on it for 15 years, hasn't he? And he's 44 won 44 wins. times. Yeah. It's Tiger. Fine wine. It's gear, that, isn't it? It's Tiger-esque, isn't it, on the PJ Tour, what yeah. he's doing, really? You know what I mean? Of course, great. Within 30 years of being on there, he's going to be in the 80s if he carries on that current form. Well, he's only got one, one more to be the top earner, and he's already the oldest. Winner, he beat yeah. his own record on the weekend. What a man! What a man! That's it. Steady Eddie. But just talking there about the challenge tour, then. So obviously that concluded uh, last week as well, and it was a, it was great showing as well. Good to see it on Sky Sports. And an Englishman wins the the challenge tour as well. Nathan Kimsey he claimed his second challenge tour win when he won uh, last week at the Tour Championship, and also claimed the top spot in the race to Mallorca rankings as well. Brilliant, and also podcast guest. Matthew Baldwin got in as well. He did. I thought he was going to win the whole thing, like the, the whole championship that week. He's playing some really good golf, was leading for quite a while. Obviously, a couple of mistakes towards the end. He ended up finishing in a, it was a tie for third, tied for fourth, but it was enough to get him the, the second to last spot, wasn't it? Yeah, well, as you were talking about, we were having a conversation about him, <laughs> him winning, and then all of a sudden, he's tried his best to miss the miss it and, and he finished with <laughs> bogey, yeah. bogey, but it was... Must be in a, a navy it's fine. place because it's, it's fine margins, isn't it? Of because, course, yeah. You like... know, if he wins that tournament, I think he finishes top five, top six, and he's only gone a couple of places down, and all of a sudden he's just getting in. I know. Well, there was a couple of play, um, players that moved up about thirty odd, thirty odd places in the rankings. If you like, you got yeah. the names there. I haven't got all the names to hand, though. No. no, I was gonna. I haven't got them there, but there was two 
that were 18th and 19th and two other guys that finished second and first in the tournament, they moved up 30-odd places to knock the other well, people John out. Pa- John Paddy did, wasn't John it? Paddy, John he was Paddy, one. yeah. He moved up 17 spots to take 17th place after finishing yeah. second, yeah. Um, another I'm, person who'd done that as well. Not sure who the other person was, yeah. But, um, and obviously, just talking about names there, Nathan Kimsey, uh, Matthew Baldwin, and John Paddy, and then... Todd Clements was the other. Those four Englishmen who, who qualified in the top twenty this year. Quality, brilliant stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it just shows you like it's it, the basic reason I was talking about them players jumping so high on the last round of the last tournament is it's just never over till it's over. Well, that's it, and we've got the same thing at the Ned Bank this week. Obviously, at the top sixty of the the DP rankings who who attend, and it goes down if some of them don't attend, like Rory and those who aren't playing, it'll go down. Like the lowest ranked players, seventy eighth this week, and everyone's got a chance who's playing because of the points to get at the tour championships and into the top fifteen. Yeah. As I say, there's there's plenty of points at stake this week as well when you get into this stage. It's it finds and form at this stage in the oh, yeah. in, in your in your season's always really important when you when you've had a steady season. Gives you a nice Christmas, don't it? If you can go win back to back in these two weeks these what. two weeks. You're settled if you win these two weeks, definitely, yeah. And then, obviously, I just wanted to mention there's a couple more spots available now for the DP World Tour through the Q School. It's the first yeah. time it's been back since um, uh, 2019. Yeah, a couple of seasons without Q School, and obviously, a really good opportunity for for some players to to get the card. I know Tom Gandhi took advantage of it last time it was there and got some yeah. starts. Um, I know we f- I think he finished just outside the top 30, so didn't get a full card but he made the cut and got some starts, and obviously he's done well since then. Not at the best of seasons, but he qualified to um, to earn a spot in, in the finals at Q School, so he will be part of the, the field for those six rounds this week in Spain. It starts on Friday. Grueling, isn't it? It's like a 10-round process, isn't it? It is a bit too much. I don't I don't know the concept of the six rounds. I think that probably needs to be looked into. I don't really see the point in it. It's a bit, you know... It's just like a fight to the death. Like Yeah. Because remember we were speaking to was it Baldwin? We were actually speaking to Baldwin's journey is amazing. Just thinking about him getting back to the DP world there. Yeah, fantastic. Having to take time off with injuries and the rest of it to come well, back. Yeah, he got off to such a good start in his yeah. career, didn't he? Won the, won on the Challenge Tour. Um, obviously he was doing well on the European Tour. Then obviously, as you say, had injuries, had to take a step back, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, finding his form. It took him a couple of years to get to that point, but obviously this season he's really kicked on and. Fantastic to see him get that it's spot, great, wasn't isn't it? it? A million percent. Mm. But I mean, I think it was Baldwin talking about like you can't really just have a good couple of rounds at Q School. You need to. Or was it Gandhi, one of them? Where you, you, Tom was a, talking about it in detail. Yeah. yeah, was it Tom? Was it? Yeah. Tom was talking about it in detail. I think Tom needed to eagle the last to to get his full card, and he barely did. He had a putt from about oh. fifty foot or whatever, and he finished thirty first or thirty second in in total. But he'll have another go again. So as I say, it's, it's a as I mentioned before, it's a perfect time to find some form, and obviously this could completely flip his whole season on its oh, head if, if he can. Because yeah. he had a few European tour starts this season, hasn't he? And not, yeah. obviously not done that well. But there has been some events. I think in Scotland he shot like an eight under. So he's got that. He's got that round, and we just haven't been able to put the four rounds together. So hopefully he can put the six rounds together and he gets his gets his card. And then another guy who's obviously playing, been playing okay this season, uh, mainly on the Challenge Tour, Tom Murray. One of the lads from my school that we went to school with. He was in my year. I don't know if you know Tom. No. I just remember playing with Tom at um at SNA in the collegiate tour that we had at Maya School College. And it was rain and windy. I shot 85, just wanted to get off and have a pint. And he like he won the tournament that day. Tom shot level par and like honestly, 
on a calm day, that was six, seven under easy. Yeah. It was just phenomenal watching him play and watching him shoot that score. Unbelievable. It's obviously good to see where he's where he's gone on to now, and obviously he's got a chance to get Why a hasn't he been on the pod? Like, what? Why hasn't he been on the pod? I don't know. Do you want me to get him on? Yeah. <laughs> you don't even know him, do you? <laughs> Might be a different song. Hey, Tom, you remember that um, that day we played SNA? What, mate? <laughs> <laughs> you remember. Never even been to SNA. You remember. They go, how can I forget? I've never seen a ball go so far right off the tee in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, and then obviously just a couple of other uh, call-outs to, to look out for this week on the Q School. Uh, Pavan Sagu, he finished the 10th on the Euro Pro Order of Merit this season. And he's obviously got his um got his opportunity to get his card. And then Sam Bairstow, he lost the amateur champs at Royal Lydon this season, the final. Uh, he just to turned, that South African kid. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, he turned pro later on this year. I think it was at the Dunhill. Played his first pro event. And he's got to tour finals. So Q School finals, sorry. Um, so it'd be good to keep an eye on him. James Allen. He won the Euro Pro Order of Merit, so he's got a full card for the lives Challenge next Tour. Door him. What? He lives next door. Him. <laughs> yeah, so he um, he won the the Euro Pro, obviously the final Euro Pro Ch- Order of Merit Championship this this season. So he's got a full card in the Challenge Tour and for next season, and he's he's got a chance to just skip that and go straight onto the DP. And then Callum Barrow, who's an amateur, I'm surely that'll lead to him turning pro if he can get that DP World Tour card. But God, I believe well, he's currently you? an amateur at the moment, but he's um. Nice. If yeah. he doesn't turn pro, or if he wants a bit of inspiration to turn him pro, he needs to go and look at Charlie Ull's podcast where she was thinking, oh, I could be winning all this money, and, and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> turn pro. <laughs> turn pro and won it. And then, yeah, so if looking at the looking at the field, obviously when the opportunities that can arise from, from this, it's good to have it back. Last time Q School was, was, was here back in 2019 in, in Spain, the field included the Hoygaard brothers, Ewan Ferguson, Lottie Cantor, Garrick Higo, Daniel Gavins, John Catlin, Wilco Nainabar, Marcus Armitage and Johannes Veerman, plus others. So it just shows you if you can get through this final stage where it can propel you to. Oh, of course, yeah. There's yeah. three three or four names on there that have won. Well, yeah, Garrick Higo is a PJ Tour winner. Ewan's won twice. Hoogar brothers, brothers have won a number of times. Catlin has. Veerman. Armitage, Veerman. Yeah. They've all won. They've all won, yeah. Daniel Gavins has won, yeah. They've all won. Lottie Cantor's on live now. Yeah. Should bring us on to that time again. Let's go. It's that time again, y'all. The birdie boogie buzz. The birdie boogie buzz. Birdie boogie buzz. My birdie is... I'm going to Scotland first. Don't care what you say. Go on. The launch party. Yeah, it was so sick, wasn't it? Just busted. Like, we have spoken about it before, but just getting everyone together in the room and, like, it was like our wedding, wasn't it, really? Like, everyone <laughs> just, like, grabbing our attention and wanted those pictures and photos, questions. Yeah. And Didn't get a minute, did we? It was just a great... It was just a great event, really. It was good just to share that with family and friends. A few beers, nice little bit of food. You're selling that, like, understating that one, aren't you? Like, there's plenty of food there. <laughs> plenty of beers as well. Yeah, <laughs> plenty of beers, It was yeah. just out of hand on it by the end, but... It always does. Either way, it was... Can't wait for the second launch party. <laughs> Should we get that booked in now? Let's get it booked in. Christmas launch Next party. Week. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. It, my birdie is podcast guest Gemma Dreibra. Brilliant. Yeah, she's your first Scottish golfer to win on the LPG Tour. It's almost become like if, you, if you've been on the Bogey Boys podcast and you haven't won, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Had a few wins this season, haven't we? Yeah, well, it's, Mansell's knocking on the door, is he? Yeah. Baldwin's going to be up there. Yeah. 
very successful season for the podcast, actually. We need to get back to these interviews now that we've launched. Obviously, anybody who's been wondering where the, the, the podcast interviews have gone, it's just we've been up the wall. It's just time, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's... But we are eager to get it back. On the, we've got yeah. a few lined up. I think actually played with Lee Slattery last week in the Liverpool Alliance. And we just randomly, I've asked him a couple of times to come on, obviously, just walking down the fairway. And he was like, I've got a free weekend there, the 18th and 19th of November. If you want to jump on a free week, if you want to jump on there, sit in form, we all, we have a good chat, say, I'll tell a few stories and all that. So I was like, yeah, million percent. I'm off that week as well, work. So. Brilliant. It's better get down and do that. Yeah, Good definitely. Boss. Definitely, yeah, but obviously it was just good. That was me, birdie. Good to see Gemma winning that. Obviously, um, 2011 was the last time a Scottish winner won on the LPGA Tour, which was Katrina Matthew. Um, and obviously, she started the day quite a few shots back, ends up winning by by four with a final round, 65, seven under, and that moves it into the top 100 in the world now. Gone up to she 90 went, seconds. She went, after, they watched the highlights of a 65 on the Saturday. Yeah. and. Was it Saturday or Friday? Yeah, she went 65, 65, and yeah. Just how dialed in she was with her irons. It was just, it was phenomenal. Some of the putts she was holding. Yeah. She just looked in total control in the, in, in front of the Japanese crowd. And there was a, like a couple of Japanese people all around her. Yeah. She handled the pressure well to bring it home. Yeah, she did, yeah. You know, I think she's been trending in a decent, in a decent direction all season, hasn't she? Slowly, a couple of top tens and then obviously making a lot of cuts. And you've got to remember, this is this a rookie season, isn't it? I think, with On the, the, I think when we tour, did she get a, to her, she was... She, she had a few starts. Symmetra and stuff, wasn't she? she got a, yeah, she had a few starts, but this season she qualified through Q School. Yeah, I remember we did a post about her. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, to win on your first season on tour with such competition is just unbelievable. And, and it, it sets and her up, doesn't it? It sets, it sets her up. She's, like, chilled. She can Keep organise the, the schedule, like we always say. It's, yeah. He's not back to Q School. I don't think it would have been anyway. But no, there's a couple of events now, but on the race to the CME Globe as well. Yeah. So you know you can never count it out the, the the form that Gemma's playing at the moment. If she continues on that form, you could see her, you know, climbing up towards being in for a chance to win that CME Globe Championship at the end and beating everybody. Why not? Why not indeed? Yeah. What's your bogey? My bogey is. In fact, I'm going to put this as my bust actually. So my bogey is. The way Dustin Johnson has finished the season, 30-odd million, like £25,000 a shot or whatever they've come up with with his things plus his team money, I want it all to be out in the open about, like, is he still paying off? Has he still got £90 million to go or did he get £30 million in his pocket? It's right. Like, it's all great and looks boss, but is it? It's obvious that they got a signing on bonus, wasn't it? That's pretty but is it a bonus enough. or an advance? That's, the, that's, the, that's what I wanted to know. What's the difference? Yeah, I have no idea. So that was basically me thinking, because I've read a few things saying, oh, only 90 million to go, and people all commenting on the thing. And I'm like, well, if that is right, let's just like get it all out in the open so everyone can see. And it's everyone maybe knows. The reason, maybe the reason they're not getting it out in the open because it's not true. And they're thinking, let them say what they want. Maybe. We know well, what we're doing. Well, there you go. And on the same time, let's see it. Because they're meant to be, be able to, they have to recruit players, they have to wear team colors, they have to pay the money off, they have to. Be highly have lived. They have to, there's loads of like these stipulations. In, in I think a lawyer got hold of it and posted it out. I think we spoke about it once. So we'll just be nice just to like put everything to bed, see everything, get everything out in the open, and everyone knows where they're at. Then it's just not going to happen, though, is it? You know what no, I mean? That's it's why like... it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being nosy, really. Fair enough. Um, my bogey is there was news out this week that the rules of golf have changed 
Yeah. Um, and I, I go through the rules of golf, but one of the things that they haven't changed is a divot from the fairway rule. That is that's why that's my buster. Although should we go through the rules of golf then and we can see what you like and what you don't like out of them? Go on. So obviously the first one is that uh, players will be allowed to replace a club damage during the round for any reason except anger or abuse. So if you hit a car path, you snap it on a tree, you can replace that now. It's only really accounts at the professional level, doesn't it? Unless you get to the ninth and get a new putter out the I, I haven't got two seven irons, like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what I mean. Goes, it's, like, goes. it's gone, isn't it? Yeah. Can you play with a bent club or no? You can't play with a bent club now. No, so you just have to replace it. But you, you just replace, replace it. it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a professional level rule, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. We haven't even. We haven't done a pod since I played the alliance, have we? No. Right. So just on that club rule, I turned up and I got there. I was late. I, my trolley wasn't charged. I left me trolley outside there. Brought a flat battery with me to the place. Tried to borrow a trolley. Couldn't get one. I had to carry. Turned up. I was all flustered. Didn't have any cash, so I had to pay on me card. I know to pay bank transfer to the fella. Thought right, all settled. I'd like half an hour, forty-five minutes to to get me head together. Threw three balls on the putting green. Went in my bag. Didn't have a putter. <laughs> <laughs> Went into like the Hayden slats. I was like, listen, I'm going to put it here. You know, I'm going to have to put me five with or something. And they were like, go into the pro shop and see if he's got one. And the pro just was kind enough. He literally just like give me his putter, Did he? yeah. And oh Slats was like, "Oh, he's a good, he's a good putter, Scott. So you, you, you might have a good day with that." And by the time we got to the ninth, the fella was like, um, "Do you want to even at the halfway house?" And then Slats was like, "You haven't got a new putter there for Kev, have you?" <laughs> you not put well. Do you know what? I didn't, and then I, I turned it on a bit at the end, to be honest. Yeah, but it was a weird thing, so. Another, I'm just going to jump in and talk about me around here because I forgot all about this. Yeah, around the middle of our book. Uh, yeah, but it just, it just come to me then. I want to just get it out off my you chest. Know I'm like for structure. And I will add what I'm like for not. <laughs> no, so, Slats, give me a lollipop, right? So, I went birdie, pa, 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 and then walking up the, the tenth, I'd my lollipop finished and I three-putted the hole. And then I went bogey, bogey, double. And I said to Slats, like, there's a massive correlation between your lollipop and my golf here. <laughs> and he went, I've got another one for you there. And I was like, lovely, go on. You give me another one. I went, birdie, at the six foot of a birdie on the next. Pa, birdie, birdie, finish. Three under last five. So I was... Lollipops in the back I was for Kev. Fu- and I was like, I was saying to Slats, it's going to be funny in a few years, isn't it, when I'm on tour and they're going, Kev, yeah, great golfer. Doesn't have much many teeth left in his head, though. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what it meant. Didn't he know? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm never playing golf and I was a lollipop again. Brilliant, that, you know. So, so what was just calm me down, it, or? I think it was just the sugar rush just keeping me at a constant level of, like, alertness. That's amazing, you know. Well, sorry, go on, carry on. But rules no, of golf, sorry. was it? Rules of golf, it was, yeah. <laughs> well, on to the next one. So there's now no longer a disqualification if you fail to sign your scorecard. So now it's a two-stroke penalty. That'll just be assessed on the last hole if you forget to sign your scorecard. I think that's really good on both levels. That on day one of a tournament, and you've shot three under, eight unders leading, like to get disqualified from that tournament with three days to go for not signing your scorecard. Why don't they just pathetic. get rid of it? The signature? No, because you need to verify the card, don't you, and make sure that you're happy with the scores and the scores correlate to what happens. It's all right when it's on. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a checker. You go in and give it to a checker. 
Yeah, but it's making sure that so if you've got a four on yours and I've got a five. Well, on yeah, mine, the whole time through COVID, no one signed a scorecard because it was you were you weren't allowed scorecards. So you go in and you put it on your digital thing and you go and you're off. It prompts you, it doesn't let you pass till you sign. It's a good shout, yeah. The electronic so scorecard. Yeah. One thing about these rules of golf as well, they're no longer allowing you to have this paper form. You've got to go on the app and download the rules of golf through the app now. I won't be a sack. <laughs> <laughs> but that on me to do list. Yeah. yeah. Um if golfers take relief from a penalty area and the ball subsequently moves again to another area of the course, they can replace the ball to the spot it was dropped with no additional penalty. So this is the remember Charlie Hoffman dropped it. Yeah. Where it goes back into the penalty area, you have to take two shots. And I think was it Ricky Fowler done the same thing a few years ago where he was he still won the tournament. I think it was the last time he won actually, but he dropped it. And then it, it rolled into the penalty area. So now what they're saying is if that happens, you can just take the same relief for free. Or they could just train the rules and marshals to who are doing all the lines and have more defined areas where it's a bit flatter. So if it's going to go in and you know it's going to be a slope like that, that you, you could have any chance of dropping it, just don't let it be dropped there. That's in the pre- professional level, obviously. Yeah, I suppose. Like, but I think that's a good change to the rule, though. No, it is. I think the concept of what you're trying to say in an ideal world would be good. But if you're on a course where there is closely mown grass that goes into a hazard because that's what they want, they want it to feed in, for example, then you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Or just you take your... place it anyway. Take the drop out of consideration. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the drop thing's a bit. I suppose it's not place preferred. It, yeah. It's like the uh, it's not preferred lies though, is it? So it's like no, but it's like when you go, oh, it keeps rolling back, and I'm, like, oh, I'm going to place it on my third go. It's like just place it anyway. Well, it goes back to my bogey of the divot. So say somebody hits one down the middle, the right in the middle of the fairway, and a divot, and then you're getting you're going in the hazard, and you're getting to place it. Exactly. They duff it into the hazard like targeted on the first of the open on his first day. It's the condition. Like if it's not your fault as to why. The, the thing is like that, like a spike mark on the green, they changed that rule. Like, I can't believe the bunker, the, the divot one, and a bunker, you're, you're relying too much on human error. If if the group in front doesn't rake the bunkers or there's not a bunker rake available to them, it goes in the footprint. You should never have to play a golf shot from a footprint. It's, no. it's the most stupid thing I've ever dealt with in my life. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just, that is negligence by the group in front. And if someone's playing in front of you, you don't like, you could just leave, you could do it on purpose. If you really wanted to be horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I was playing in front of you, I'd run in every bunker. <laughs> just to then front and take all the rakes with me. <laughs> but you're like in a... No, with, the bunk, with the bunker thing, it's more difficult because it is a hazard and it's there for a reason. It's to punish you. For knocking your ball offline, of course. Um, but I get, I do get the, the sand, and it's the location of the ball in the sand is, is punishment enough. Punishment enough. Yeah. If it's up against the lip, fair enough. If it's there, fair enough. But if it's in a footprint and up against the lip, the back lip, it's like you're screwed. Yeah, the footprint's a bad one. Yeah, I agree with that. You should be you able, should to, be able to just rake, rake it, and, and then, then place and it because it's hard enough. Yeah, as it is. Watch your bust. Wasn't there another one about your handicap being on the scorecard? There was, yeah. I didn't take them all down. No. <laughs> I thought you were going through them all. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. That's just the main points, really. Okay, sorry. What's the one that... Um, okay, yeah, so... Right, so the governing bodies have tried to make things easier on recreational golfers 
in another subtle way by no longer penalising them for failing to put their handicap on their scorecard and stroke play competitions. Instead, the committee will be responsible for including each player's handicap and ensuring its accuracy. That's it. Just think about that. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) One one, one less thing for you to worry about. No, but you know what? It's when you go to a tournament with a like that's not your your club thing. It's already done for you anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's only when you're going to grab one out the pro shop. I think a lot of them now we use a a login system online, and when we put our details in, it prints like a print label, and the label goes onto the scorecard with your name, your handicap, and your strokes for the tee that you're playing. Yeah, I think like golf courses. I know they're a bit behind with technology and different things but if you can start incorporating a bit more it helps everyone doesn't it yeah definitely yeah well you don't have to work out it works out automatically based on the course what my strokes are based on my points so from 5.2 then i get seven shots around this have you gone up yeah (laughs) might be 5.4 let's have a check (laughs) it shows that is that your your busters what then that is just i can't believe they've had this big overhaul of rules and haven't changed like who like i know it's fair enough to change some of them rules but like no one's screaming and shouting for them rules to be changed it's like they take them or leave them this is like the divot in the fairway one is people are outraged by this yeah but you know what it's mixed you know because sometimes when we've posted about it people have got an opinion that like no that's fine they are not relevant (laughs) (laughs) their opinions don't them people are (laughs) i I hope them people go in divots daily yeah every shot and play out of it and go you know what i deserve the one that always gets me is the arnold palmer a couple of years ago where westwood was one shot behind yeah the bryson one yeah he's ripped a three wood down the middle gone right into a divot and it stopped him going at the pin because the pin was back right so close to the rocks on 18 that at bay hill like if he goes for it you know he's not stopping it because he loses control that for me was like that has just killed the tour the end of that tournament off there because bryson just needs to put it middle of the green and two put which he did and, and won the tournament and i think westwood just got to get on the front of the green i'd like an 80 footer to try and even scare the old think he three puts in the end i can't quite remember but that that for me was the one that rate yeah and i've been caught out by it a few times as well but it's also at the professional level normally everyone's divvy is relatively shallow they take a nice little half inch divvy. Depends what. No, I don't know. You know they do. It, uh, yeah, it's a bit with with a, with like a mid iron and a long iron with a wedge. They chop the place a bit. Some yeah, sometimes, but like it's not like some of the hacks that you see on like. No, no, it, yeah, it's the, not. It's not on the face. Yeah, you see people with the club losing club heads out here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's obviously different. I think as well when you think about it, there's obviously course conditions change as the week goes on. I'm so, sorry, they get replaced them big flops. Yeah, a professional get... is professionally pick his flop up and he'll put it back in. Yeah, yeah. Or fill it in with a bit of sand. Yeah. Out there, they probably don't even know that the divot's gone. Some of these people. I've seen you walk past the divot. I purposely do it to the rule. I'm, I'm on strike. <laughs> Until the rule changes. Until the rule changes back, yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right, I think. We spoke about this a number of times, haven't we, with this rule? Like the same, all the golf courses are in prestige condition, aren't they? In 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 anticipation for a for a tournament, like yeah. there's not a blade of grass out of place when the PJ Tour turns up or the DP World Tour turns up. So or live turns up, or, the green tees like greens, exactly. Yeah. So you know you've got those conditions on day one. Okay, fair enough. But then as you go to day four, the conditions are still good, but it's been obviously 
chopped up by the players, hasn't it, all, all week? So I think as the week goes on, the likelihood of you entering a divot or going into a divot is quite high, isn't it? Well, it's, it's like you could talk about level playing field. That course in Bangkok that Liv had, or like wherever you see these prestige courses, Thursday morning, Group 1, has got an advantage over the rest of the field. So never mind it being the spike marks on the green, the the weather changing, like the actual ground, there's hundreds of people that have hit from the same spot. So you you are dodging a Yeah. Well that's why the, the shotgun start seems to work for Liv. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you know whoever's advantaged on one is not is going to be disadvantaged on eighteen. Still it's not fair. It needs to be changed that rule. No, I think I think either if you don't want people to get relief out of a divot, then at least at the top level, at least have like in in positions around the course where you've got because there's that many people taking statistics and analytics on the golf course of how far the ball's gone, where it's gone to, and when the DP World Tour's on now, you have someone going over and taking a little video of the ball where it's lying, so that when it's live and they're hitting the shot, they've got like a a separate picture you know, where you can see the ball yeah. as as they're going up to it, so you can get it. It's it's great concept for the for the viewing experience, but. Those same people who are there or have another volunteer there or whatever with a bucket of sand, one of those scoopers, and when the divot goes in, if it doesn't get replaced and you see it, before the next people see off, just go over and just, while they're walking up, just go over and give it a bit of a, there you go. It's too easy, isn't it? Yeah. That's, That's the problem. My bus then is, we've spoke about the DP World Tour schedule there, um, and one thing that, it's obviously good that the DP World Tour is now becoming a world tour and it is going around all these different countries and obviously there's a bigger viewing experience for, for people in different parts of the world. But I don't feel as though they need to take so many of the European events away. So like what they've been, armor, et cetera. Well so what they've done is there's only one Spanish one 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 event in Spain for the whole of the season. Last season there was sixteen tournaments across Great Britain and Ireland, 16. Now, there's only 17 tournaments in Europe. Wow. So, and that, and there's only six across GB and Ireland. So, GB and Ireland have lost 10 events across the whole schedule. And uh, I don't know the number of, between, uh, of how many it was across Europe, but there's 17 tournaments now uh, across Europe, six of those being GB and Ireland, only one in Spain. So, I don't mean, bust is just that. I understand the cop concept, and if that is driving more money towards the game, but just from a selfish perspective, it's good to have options. Like we went to four or five events last season, didn't we? Did we? Yeah. Well, I went to four. I think you went to. I went the open hillside and live. I went the open hillside live and belfry. Ah, you went to belfry as well, didn't you? Yeah. Wonder where you got that one on, on me there. Did we not go to another one? Sure, we did. Anyway, I didn't. Uh, but but you know that that's Scottish you know, Open. You ever that was the year before. Yeah, so that that's the that's obviously it's from a selfish bus perspective. Really, the the options are limited now, so I think we're gonna have to go on a few flights around Europe, which no, is always a good thing. That could turn into a bit early, actually. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's my bus anyway. That's it. Right then, some golf to review. Then enough golf news and enough rabbiting about. Well, let's have a little skim through what we missed last week. There's okay. a there's a good. We missed the conclusion of the live teams. We did, event. yeah. We did. Obviously, the four aces wrapped it up by a shot. It was quite close, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a, a comment by Pat Perez saying, I get a lot of grief off people saying I never show up. So I did today. 
Um, he had his be- he only had his best finish. It was like tied fifteenth. He was getting a lot of flack. He said, "So everyone can shut up." <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, which is bossing. That's the bottom line. Um, yeah, the, the really good finish to the to the tournament. Good concept. It was brilliant to watch. I mean, the way that they done it with the with the foursomes and then having everybody score at the end was really good. Obviously, Cam Smith will tell you something different. Goes and shoots was at eight under. He shot and. They let miss out by one. Missed out need, by one, yeah. He Punch, just needed a couple of his couple of his um, teammates to, to to pull him through. But even the match play, obviously seeing Laurie Cantor knock that put in for um for their team. Was it Laurie Cantor at the end? Not too sure. What yeah. for the is he in crushers? No, he's in He's with Richard Bland's team. Uh, what are they called? Could not tell you at this minute in time. Yeah, I don't know what they're called, but is the cliques. Cliques. That sound that Graham does... McDowell. Yeah, cliques. Yeah, so Laurie Cantor held a putt. Well, they win. only just got the um, the Aces only just beat the beat them in the semi-finals, didn't they? Well, that's it. Well, before then, the quarterfinals to get through to the semis, the Laurie Cantor held a putt on the last to, to to get it through, and you could see how much it meant. I know people say that that it's not a, it doesn't mean nothing, but you could see how like important it wasn't. Even Richard Bland was getting emotional at the end, saying he wants him on the team next year and things like well, that. Well, especially with Aces winning, was it three or four of the individual well, team in a row, yeah. and then nearly not getting through to have a chance to win the team final. It's like yeah. it, it was writing on the walls for that DJ that was going to win it, yeah. But and they only managed to get to win by one. It's it shows you that the element does bring everything a lot closer together with that. Like, four, is it four scores going on the last Well, day, yeah, last it's, day, it's, it? it's, the, it's, the, it's the actual concept of a playoff at the end. So what they do in the NFL, I know you're not that, that into the NFL, but they have, um, they have eight divisions, four teams in each division, and then the top team in each division goes through, and then there's also some second places that go through and whatever, and basically wherever you finish and wherever you're seeded based on your record depends on who you play. But then it's just straight knockout. Same as the Champions League in football. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You play and then you go through and you get drawn against someone. But obviously, well, even the pressure of picking your team that we were talking, it's like it's a lot of if you're the best team and you're picking the worst and you get beat, you look silly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But I think the concept of that and driving that, I think the team element, I think what will potentially need work with Live next year is having both an individual tournament and a team tournament at the same time and trying to still have that team camaraderie and still building that team element but team members competing against each other in the same tournament i think that is one hurdle that live are going to have to get over in order to have a true team but i think the end concept I think they should make every match every player every score every shot count for the team for the whole event and see what goes on there yeah and playing your four balls so they have two two and then three to score don't they yeah have four to score on each of the three days. Yeah. 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 Then you'll see who the Deadwood is. <laughs> yeah. Remember I mean? yeah, you will see who's costing costing the teams, yeah, definitely. And so. it's millions. You cost them millions there with you to yeah. get your practice on. <laughs> definitely. But yeah. even playing in, in, in your four ball, knowing that willing your mate on to make a part, otherwise you just lose out. So go out in teams. Yeah, in the in in your four ball, yeah. Mic'd up, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's, so you could start seeing a bit of hate grow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just, if you make a bad day on the team, ex- it's like, oh my god, he cost us millions again there. <laughs> facial expressions when someone lips out for a, just bit, be a bit of fun, wouldn't it? To yeah. try, yeah, definitely. No, and then what? What else did we miss last week? We, we had... missed the 
Portugal Open, which I'm really yeah. looking forward to getting out there and playing that course because it obviously must be easy if Jordan, Jordan Smith. Smith can shoot 30 under. Well, you know what? He is somebody who's played really, really well all season. And he's had so many second place finishes and been so close and then finally get one over the line. 62, 63 over the weekend to steal, uh, seal the deal. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That, like, when we, we're going in March, aren't we? And that isn't. You, I can already tell you now that that isn't the same course that we're going to play because it's just not Listen, that easy. Right. You and Ferguson shot nine under, I think it was, or ten under on the first round or the second round at Fairmont for the Hero Open this season, right? Yeah. And I watched that and I was like, can't wait to get to Fairmont. <laughs> Got my ass handed to me seven and six by Iggy. No way. You know what I mean? When we turned up, like, that 10 under just doesn't exist for me on that course. I know level par doesn't exist for me on that course, but what I'm saying is the level to go around that course in 10 under par is just like, because, you know, there's so many different things that can catch it out of Fairmont. I know there is a few gettable par fours and a few short ones that you could get, but that's second hole. It's like 500 yard par four, and then you've got a par five, the third, which is next, with all water down the right-hand side, and a creek before the before the green. Creek? Yeah, there's like a creek. Like a... A burn. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I just couldn't see. Why do you not call it a creek? Oh, it's a bit of American creek, isn't it? A burn. I'll be in Scottish then a Scottish accent because it's what do you call it then? Stream or a ditch? Ditch, that's the one in it. Ditch, what am I? <laughs> what am I? It's a proper ditch there. Ditch there. Ditches everywhere on that course. <laughs> Ditches be tripping. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Anyway, that's what we missed. That's in what our we missed. Week. We did. It been quite it. a short pod, that wouldn't it? Really, should have just done it. <laughs> Uh, the Worldwide Technology Championships at Mayakoba then. Pissed me off this event. Why? Because, remember I rented that motorbike and took me girlfriend down the road to play the Riviera Maya one? Yeah. But then I could have rented, I should, I went, it would have been another like 45 minutes extra on the scooter to get to this one. Yeah, I'm you didn't do it. that I didn't do it, yeah. yeah. Fuming, Talking about footprints and bunkers, if you'd have been in that bunker, you wouldn't have got out, would you? What, that cave? cave. Watch the video where he goes right inside, have you seen it? Underneath yeah. the ground, yeah. heavy that. Could live there. You could, yeah, get lost in there. Belter? Yeah. Is there steps to get in and out of that? What is this, a hazard? <laughs> is it a, just, did you play out of it? Yeah, but if it goes, I think if it goes past the cave, like into the cave bit, I think that's out of bounds. Like. You not get in and just have a go? I don't know. I don't what think do you, so. Yeah, what, what is the rule? you have to climb in, don't you? That's what I mean. But what's the rule? If you can see it in the sandy bit, you just play it out. Don't know. I, I, it's, it's in the middle of the fairway, like, isn't it? <laughs> I know. It's mad. I don't think the ball can actually get to the cave bit. I think it's an half a good little climb. Okay. But you can get to, like, the sand bit and, and all that. But you have to climb around the rocks to get to the cave path. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm back on it. I don't want to back him, but I'm backing it. Got out of that one, didn't I? Yeah. It was good to see some of the world's best players back, though. Teaming up. Scotty Sheffield out there. Hovland's, you know, Morikawa. Well, do you know what? I read an article with Scotty Sheffield. He changed his putter on Sunday night, uh, Saturday night, to his old Phantom, Scotty Cameron one. And he was like, it never goes too far out the back, this one. But we, we, we float in and out. And as soon as he put it in, he... Shot nine, nine under. under 62 final round, jumped up 32 places to tie third. Gets him a tie third spot, yeah, yeah. That was uh, 
It was good to see, obviously, that he, he's kicking on from that form because he sort of lost a bit of his form towards the back end of the season, didn't he? And Definitely, that, that yeah. round should hopefully propel him. He's playing again this week at the Houston Open. So, yeah, you know, we, we should see it. But no one played as good as Russell Henley did the equal well, scoring record, 23 under, win by four shots. Well, he was 22 under through 54 holes. He was he was saying in his, in his post-match interview, he's slept on a couple of 54-hole leads. This was his biggest one that he slept on. He slept on the lead after 36 holes. And he said, like, I choked in the other events. That That's what happened. I choked. Yeah. And he said, I'm just glad to get it over the line. It's refreshing that, isn't it? I felt, well, it's good that he's coming out and being honest. That's and, what I was going to say. It's refreshing with, yeah. to hear that, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, you used to wear it. Like, I choked. I made some bad decisions, played some bad golf. He's like, although we only shot one under on the final round, it was enough to get it done. And I can hopefully put all that behind me. Like, he hasn't won for five years. Yeah. So, I'm on top of all them chokes to then go out there and get it done as first win as a dad. And it's just unbelievable. Yeah, no, I was rooting for him. him like, I was as well, yeah. I was re- I obviously had Brian Harmon because obviously we've spoke to um, Justin Parsons, haven't we, who coaches Brian, and we keep an eye on um, Harmon's game, don't we, because of that. It would have been nice to see him get into the winner's circle, but, you know, Russell. Well, 25 birdies and two bogeys, you can't really take that away from no. big rush. But he also Phenomenal said golf, yeah. he wouldn't have got it done if he didn't fail so many times. And it reminds me of that Michael Jordan quote where he says, I've missed 10,000 shots. I've missed this many game women winning three throws. I've missed this. I've done this. Yeah. I fell over. I've dropped the ball of this. And that's what makes me a champion. Yeah. So you've just got to, you've got to lose. It's good that they come out, obviously, for the next generation and, and the, the people that they are inspiring, these crop of amateurs coming up and even the top pros who are trying to get onto the PJ tour, letting them know that like failing is, is good. If you, if you don't let it overwhelm you and you don't let the the fact that you've failed determine your future, you use it as a lesson, then you will become a champion one day. Of course, like it, losing doesn't define you. Losing makes sure everyone thinks like when you go undefeated records and all this, it's one of the, one of the main things as well that everyone's got to remember when they're playing in these 72 all tournaments is, there's a reason you're leading after 54 holes is because you're a good golfer. You know what I mean? The only reason that you don't get it over the line is because of what's going on in your head. It's not your physical ability to play the game. So if you can overcome that and realise that, then, you know, the the world's your oyster, isn't it? Well, you've got to remember that the greatest player ever to play the game lost 75% of the time that he went out. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Let's yeah. say no more. And he has an unbelievable winning record as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he used to win for fun, <laughs> which is mad. There say. you go, yeah. Um, Seamus Power carried on some form, didn't he? Finished tied third with Scotty Scheffler, and now he leads the FedEx rankings. Him. I know, obviously, it, it, it's come to that season again, hasn't it? Ryder Cup contender season. But, oh, has it, yeah. You know, I think if we said we've got the guaranteed seven pretty much, haven't we? So... Those next five spots are up, up for grabs. You think? Are you forgetting he's great bitten and that? He'll be, he'll, play, he'll surely play that. He's won the hero cup, isn't it? You'd hope so. Yeah, you'd hope he'd he'd go over and, and give it a go. Yeah, you just obviously it'd be a dream for him to get into the ride. They cup, should have it? a playoff for it. Get a big put like do England. They got a fifty-five man squad for the World Cup, and then they narrow it all down. Yeah, it's like get a get everyone. Yeah, have a playoff for it. Yeah, but having a playoff in January to play in September is going to be a bit... No, I mean, have a playoff for the Hero, the Abu Dhabi one, in January. That's what I mean, yeah. So whoever wins in the Hero one plays in the Ryder Cup, do you mean? No, just like, get everyone together to play in an event just before that one and 
work it out. And if that style of competition works, then do it again for the Ryder Cup. Oh, qualify for like qualifier oh, for okay. that. Okay, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Schedule issues. About there, to then. say. <laughs> Schedule permitting. There's golf everywhere. One day, just one day. Let's have it. Oh, one day, see what happens. Or everyone goes to it, and then like the like the Dwyer's do. If you you go on holiday with, with Gary Dwyer, because the mum plays golf, now they have a playoff, and if you don't win, you're not in the four ball. <laughs> <laughs> Luke had to sit out at Sage Valley or somewhere because the mum won. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah. So, what what do you think? Ryder Cup contender for Sheamus or million percent. Yeah. He's over there doing it on the best tour in the world. Like you talk about the Hoygaards being guaranteed picks, but they're not doing they're not they're doing it on the DP world. Yeah, it's always that argument, isn't it? It's like you don't want to see all these top European players go over to the PJ tour just to prove themselves for a Ryder Cup, do you? You want do you want to keep them on the DP World Tour and build that tour? But then they've been over and and Seamus has Outlasting the minis, like he's he's out there and he's yeah. I think with Seamus, he better. he was do he was in America doing the Monday qualifiers, got to um enter the tournament through Monday qualifying and won, didn't he? Yeah, so he wasn't that. playing as a tour member, then no. kept his tour card, and now he's obviously won again. So you know you could look at it and say you know Seamus Powers winning the events where when he won the Bermuda last week, where the top players in the world aren't playing, and it was the same for the previous event he won when the Open was on, was it? it was the yeah. Bar- but he's just doing something. enough, isn't he? Well, that's what I mean, yeah, but that's what I'm asking the question around, like Ryder Cup contender, when you're looking to compare him with the Hoygaard brothers and saying he's going out and winning on the PGA Tour, he's not winning an event with the top 50 players in the world, is he? Yeah, but neither do they. Hmm. Point well <laughs> received. <laughs> Listen, time will tell, but... Like, I don't know if I was going to pop Seamus Power against one of the high guards, who would my money be on? I'd probably say Seamus. Would you? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's Just because I'm sitting on this side of that argument at this minute time, <laughs> and I feel like I have to. <laughs> no, I think... I might put Lay Rasmus off in the best, best exchange. <laughs> no, I think um, what what's good is that it's healthy, isn't it? It's oh, healthy because there's so many... European players playing well, and there is a fight for the for the competition because, you know, over years gone by, and rightly so, it always it has always been the experienced household names like your Garcia's, your Polters, your Westwoods, your Stenson's. They've all been given maybe not so much Stenson, but they've all been given that opportunity. Not some, not always through the play, but sometimes through their experience and or who they are, the stature. Yeah, and that last last Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits that. That obviously showed, didn't it, when we got absolutely annihilated. So I think this is refreshing now to see that we are going to have five or six, potentially five, I'd say. We think that unless someone goes to live and shocks everyone, but you'd you'd think that we're going to have five new raw, talented players. You've got like Thomas Peters players like that, you know, who's playing really well at the moment. I know he's played a, a Ryder Cup before, but... Interesting to see who gets picked. I just thought it that he's number one now in the FedEx rankings. Fair play to him. You know what I mean? You can't. There you go. He's got to be in in contention, hasn't he? You've got to be in it to win it. And if he has to gather his points up when the big boys aren't there and work on his game, and he knows he's secure, it's it's the way he's got to do it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And then the only other player I wanted to mention there was um, obviously Hovland is is, a, is an obvious one. He obviously defending the title ends up finishing top ten. But Taylor Montgomery, um, he's one of the 
guys who were promoted from the Corn Ferry Tour and has taken advantage of this early start. He's ninth in the FedEx rankings and he had another top 10 finish again this, this week. I think it's going to be, yeah, not going to be far away from seeing him get a victory, I think. No, definitely. The way he's been playing. It's flying. Yeah, and that'll bring us on to the Houston Open then. Obviously, we're back, I'm backing Montgomery to actually win, even though Scotty Scheffler's back in the field. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just think Memorial Park, it, it's always a challenging course for golfers. Um, You know, you, you look at the conditions over, over the years that, that it's played there. It's a par 70, but it includes five par threes, uh, and the par five are ranked against, as, as some of the hardest on the PGA Tour last season, and there's only three of them. So normally when you talk about, you know, a low-scoring event, they, they take advantage of the par fives, don't they? Of course, Birdie yeah. machines and things. But, you know, with this one, um, I think you'd be looking for, like, good iron players with the number of par threes that are there. And uh, obviously you need to put well to, to win on the PGA Tour. We know that anyway. I think Taylor Montgomery is just trending in that direction for me where his iron plays solid, he's, he's okay off the tee. And the short game's been really, really good. That's one of them statements you've just come out there where I'm just thinking, like, that is so well researched and so that's brilliant. That's the sort of thing that you would do in the Bogey Boys Order of Merit, and then he'd miss the cut. <laughs> <laughs> just listening, thinking, how can he lose based on what Mark's saying there? And it's like, it's just, it's just not the way it happens, is it's it? It's not, no. But no. you know what? You I can't do? predict the future, can I? Yeah, but look what you're saying there about good iron playing, good, um, good putting. Jason Cockrack last year, he was the one we kept forgetting who'd won three times yeah. or who'd won twice on the on the PJ Tour. And that's exactly what he'd done his nine under over the weekend to pip, I think it was Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, it was Scheffler and Kevin Tway. And he's then puttered out of his mind. And his eye, I think he, it like, 36 greens in regulation yeah. over the last 34, 54 holes or something. It's like his, his iron play was phenomenal. Yeah, because that Bermuda grass as well. Obviously, it's Bermuda, Bermuda rough, Bermuda yeah. greens. You know, that that those conditions on, on a course like, like that. And with it being a par 70 as well, you know, you're taking two shots off everybody anyway. It's generally par 72s that yeah, we're playing 7,412 yards. Exactly. So you've got the length. You've got the path. You got the par three. Par threes are always difficult, aren't they? There's not you don't you don't see many twos, do you? Really on on the tour. That's for me. I used to get a good few. There's me bevy money sometimes. <laughs> no, but in general terms, birdies are made either on like well, they're not easier on par fives, aren't generally, they? Generally, yeah. You, you know, you look at the par threes. They're like 180 average, aren't they? To 200 yards mostly. You get some short ones, but in general terms, on a par three on the PJ tour, you I like the par threes more than par fours are the hardest for me. Because you've got to get the, the drive that... right and the shot right. If we're part three, you've just got to... You're already halfway there. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about PJ Tour players here, not you. All right, sorry. So the PJ... Well, surely t- they find it a lot easier. Yeah, but they're just bombing drives and they've got flicks in, aren't they? So, yeah, you know, if if we're looking at that, they're hitting, they're hitting wedges to par threes after the drive, aren't they? Yeah. Whereas on the par... You've got, you've got five par threes, a lot of distance here. So, you know, it is always a struggle. I think if the whoever is striking the irons, driver okay... But if you're striking your irons well and getting the ball in play and getting them onto the greens and you put well, you'll win. My God. <laughs> <laughs> That's just that thing again, isn't it? You hit the fairways, yeah, the, team, hit the greens. The team the that scores the most goals today is going to win, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, they're obviously good to have a couple of events back on the back on the screen. It's been a while, hasn't it? The two tours playing side by side. So 
the Nedbank Championship's another one that's back this year as well. I'm believing, uh, sorry, before we move on to the Nedbank, I think that there's going to be a surprise package in either Jason Day, who is picking his events due to his injury, or Jonas Veerman, who's actually a DP World Tour member. He's not a member of the PJ no, Tour, no, yeah. but he's got a PJ Tour star because I think because he went to Texas A&M. Right, yeah. So he's he's... He's not doesn't qualify for the top sixty in the DP World Tour, which I was quite shocked at, to be honest. Yeah, strange one. And yeah. he's he's over here, so that they're my two picks. If you want to talk, gonna talk Funky. picks. Are you doing two picks then? Well, I go Scotty Scheffler and T- Taylor Montgomery then. Hmm. What? Scotty Scheffler, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the favorite, the favorite. Right then, Raw, um, Rory McIlroy has just announced that he'll be playing next week in the Tour Champs. I know it's pretty much. Certain to play anyway, but he's actually officially announced himself in the field. Why for... would he not? Well, I know, yeah. Well, you would have it. John Rahm done it a couple of years ago, didn't he? Where he had a chance to win and didn't turn up for one reason or another. But yeah, Rory's obviously made a commitment to to, to try and win it. But what's interesting is because he's not playing the Nedbank. Would he win champ... it anyway? No. Well, no. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Now, so the Nedbank Championship this week. Um, if Ryan Fox wins this week, he overtakes Rory in the number one spot. That's good. Yeah. He deserves it a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, he's been unbelievable, yeah. So, a little bit of history on the Nedbank. Do you know about the Nedbank, do you? Well, I know that it's not been an event since 2019, and the last winner was Tommy Fleetwood, but other than I'm that... I'm talking more like 1981s and all that. Oh, you tell me all about the 1980s. So, then. yeah, then, answer this question, right? What makes... What about having a cut makes a golf tournament so good and so much better? What does a cut do? Right, okay, so... That's just a general when, question. That's not to do with the Nedbank, but it's just... So what I would say there then is when you've got... So without having a cut, the argument is probably that you've got to have a shorter field because the course will just get... If you've got 150, 660 players playing for four days... You know what I mean? You're going to have a problem with tea times, aren't you? Two tea starts, potentially. Well, if you can do it on Thursday, Friday, why can't you do it on the weekend? And then you're also going to have, you know, you're going to need more staff to staff the course, more referees, and you're going to need, and there's going to be more more shots being taken off tees, more shots being taken off fair, which the course condition of a weekend is going to get worse. So the field size is probably too big for four days. Um, So then having a cut takes away the people who are not, as we know, well, you've, gonna... got, you've got 140 people who can go and practice and play on the course all from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, the same amount of hammer. Yes. You've got more amateurs flying through courses in UK than 140 a day, yeah. So, what, what's I think it's there's a number of things, isn't it? It's the pace of play, it's the course condition, it's you know, having people on the course who the pace of play is slow anyway. You know, you've got players, I know the money's different now, but you've got players who, after two days, uh, shot 10 over, the last place they want to be is there, and they've got to do a couple more nights stay in a hotel when they could be going away and practicing to work hard on the game for the next week. So there's a couple of, couple of there's like a number a of different Wood things. Scenario, yeah. Sort of thing. yeah. That would be my, that would be my viewpoint on it. Yeah. And, but the the concept of yeah, but not... that's That makes it better for the lower end, doesn't it? But like the top end, it doesn't really make it any better does it like if the other players are gone or does it well again it's just like you know it's what time can they tee off then the the last groups you know at the same time they teed off on Thursday yeah so then you know if if it's wet conditions and then you've got players so say you've got 60 players due to tee off on the Sunday or you've got 140 
to tee off on the Sunday. Those extra 75, 80 players are going to be 75, 80 feet on greens. So when the final groups come to play, you know what I mean? That the final groups go off last because obviously that's the way that the golf concept is. So they're going to get the worst of the conditions. No talking about the people being the disadvantaged. Yeah. So they're going to, they're going to, the, the greens are going to be in a worse condition. There's going to be a lot more pitch marks on the greens, you know? So it's, it's those things. And, those are the people who are shooting ten over for two rounds, eight over for two rounds. They've got no reason to be there. They're not going to win. It's a, it's an it's an expense to them, and then obviously it, it worsens the course for the players who are who are fighting for the championship. No, that's good because I just seen that was just a question that was posed on Twitter, and I just thought I'd get your answer to that. Okay. Well, you answered that pretty good. Yeah, a lot better than I thought you were going to. <laughs> um... <laughs> Appreciate that. I think I was, I was expecting you to go like, "There's not like a cut shite, There's no point in it. Like, long live live and all that." Well, yeah, do you know, they, but the but the no cut concept is good as well because you can get get everyone on the on the course at the same time, and l- less viewing hours makes for more action packed golf. Yeah. So I, I, I've always said I back the live concept. I think both concepts work. And there's a place for both concepts in golf for me personally, as my opinion. I've watched the live events. The only thing I've got with the live, like I've mentioned earlier, is I don't know how next season it's going to work with having an individual and a team concept together and having individuals playing against each other while they're playing yeah. for the same team. I just don't know how that works. But no, I know. if they can figure a way to get that right, I mean, the team <clears throat> Miami championship was unbelievable. I really exactly. enjoyed watching it. Yeah. So the first tournament was played in December 1981. Yeah. And it was played from the 31st of December to the 4th of January 1982, which is a mad couple of dates to be playing a tournament, isn't it? Just over New Year. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is mad. What player. is he not even about? It was a five-man field of Seve Ballesteros, Johnny Miller, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, and Lee Trevino. That was like a bit of an exhibition. Exactly, yeah. Then in 1982, it got moved to early December which is obvious, like, that that should happen. Yeah. And it was a 10-man field. Then in 1987, the event introduced a winner-takes-all, a million-dollar first prize, although there was additional prizes for, like, lowest rounds of the day, etc. And then the field was reduced to eight players a couple of years later, and the winner-takes-all concept was dropped. So it was basically a smaller version of, like, what Liver trying to do. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. No cuts. I think that, yeah. The no cuts, short and field. And then in 99... The, the, it's that, just a one-off event, though, isn't it? One-off event, yeah. But yeah, then, so the then that was... that was The winner-takes-all thing was dropped, although the, the prize still remained, like, a million, but it got... It divided down the, the 10 players, or the yeah. 8 to 10 players. And then in 2006, here's the reason I wanted to get into this. So in 2006, the tournament carried world ranking points. Yeah. So it's it's a shortened field, and then in no 2013, cut. it was a sorry from from through to 99, the field was just eight eight between eight and ten, and then 1989 it went from to 12, and then from it stayed like that till 2006. Then it was only a 12 man, and then in 2013 it was expanded to 30 players. So then there was the defendant, the defendant champion, top 10 PJ Tour, FedEx Cup players, top 10 European Tour, Race to Dubai, the Sunshine Tour, Asian Tour, Japanese Tour, 
and PJ Tour of Australia, Order of Merit winners, the Alfred Dunhill Championship winner, and then five South African players in the world rankings. So that was your 30-man field. Yeah. That made that up, and it carried world ranking points. Yeah. And it's, so it's a shortened field. It's no cut. And it gets world ranking points. It's half prize money, and it gets world ranking points. So that was why I wanted to go through that history of it. It's the concept, and it was only a one-off event, as you say, but lives only 14 one-off events. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's just that, yeah. Like, why can that carry world ranking points with a 30-man field when, uh, uh, what is it? Yeah, I think it's because it's, I think the the, the concept is and where, where the difficulty comes in. 54 holes. It's 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 a couple of things. It's 54 holes and then it's the shortened field, no cut concept. So they're the three things, but it's over a full tour season. Whereas, so that is the rule for the whole season. Whereas I think the PJ Tour, I've got a couple of events now where it's a short and field, no cut. There was one the other week, wasn't there? Was it over in Japan? No, the Zozo. So it was the Zozo, no cut, wasn't it? I don't think it's a short and, oh, short and field. Short and field, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So short and field, no cut, and there's world ranking points available for that. So there is a possibility, but that's, again, that's 72 Liver holes. just going to change, going to jump through the hoops, aren't they, I think? Liver, yeah, the, pro- the problem with Liv is, you know, this the concept that Liver bring into golf has never been done before. It's been no. done in the odd events, but it's never been done before as a tour. So the prob- the difficulty that probably the world ranking bodies are, are having, as well as the politi- pol- politics that come with it all, is that, you know, they're probably trying to work out how it's fair to play less less golf with a shortened field, but still get the same ranking points somehow. It's probably not as easy as it seems. I think they should get world ranking points and yeah. they should fit into the system. That's like what you said. You should just do it by round. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, yeah. I pitched that to Slats and he was like, that's that's brilliant. Did he, yeah? Mm. He go. was like, the handicap system's done like that. Yeah. That was the first thing he said. He's like, you get judged. You go out, you get judged. You come in, you're ranked in the world on that day. You go out, you play, you get judged. You go out, you get play, you get judged. Yeah, you can do a live ranking system you can, as you, you go, can yeah. You change it like... Every it's day. not going to change the tournament. The tournament, you're not going to just because you've gone. If you play through. four good rounds. You get you you get four good lots of world ranking points. If you play two and two bad, you'll get X amount. If you play four bad, even, you'll go it, down. It might even motivate players to think, do you know what? If I finish top twenty, yeah, I could move into the top fifteen, yeah. Yeah, or if I shoot a sixty-one today, or a, 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 if I'm say for someone and he was thirty-fifth on the rankings, or like fifty-fifth, sorry, and you want need to get top fifty. And he's like, right, if I can shoot a good round today, this is me last chance I need to shoot well. Yeah. So for anyone going, listening now who's not aware of what we're talking about a couple of weeks ago. You better be aware. Yeah, you better be aware. Yeah, but a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the world ranking system and we, we mentioned, didn't we, about if if the concept was to be scored based on your rounds and your finish and how this went in the tournament, but just in particular you get points for how you've played in that round on conditions and, and, and the field score, etc., then that would be a way for Liv to get world ranking points, but they would be at a disadvantage because they're playing less golf, but they'll still get the opportunity if they win a tournament and play well for three days and they're beating top players in the world week in, week out. They should be awarded points and the the ranking should should reflect that. A million percent. Yeah. A million percent. But... I'm glad that leaves back on that anyway. Yeah, yes, yeah. But back in this, 7,819 yards, bit of a beast. The Gary Player Golf Club, Sun yeah. City, South Africa. And Tommy Fleetwood finally back to defend his crown. He's waited um, three years for this. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we, we spoke... Backing him. 
Of course you are, yeah. We spoke to Tom on the Tom Boys <laughs> podcast, wasn't it? Where he said he had a player who took took a took a two iron out and put a five. I don't know, it was a vice versa. Oh yeah, and he took and he won the tournament. Because of the par fives, yeah. yeah. You need to put something in to get in the par fives and two and scoring well in the par fives this week is gonna stand you in good stead, wasn't it? Uh so any of the players listening, take that advice on board. So Tommy won last time. Um, but th- this is a short field, like you say. It's the top 60 available players on the DP World Tour rankings. Um, the winner of last season's Sunshine Tour Order of Merit, or of Me- the winner of last season's Sunshine Tour Order of Merit, and five invites. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, this is the 40th edition. Tommy's defending champ. A um, couple of big players missing out Marcus Hillykiddle, Moller, Grant Forrest, Daniel Gavins. These, I thought. They'd all be handy inside the top sixty there, but yeah, I think just it's just not. it's just inconsistency, isn't it? Like yeah. I know, like Moller and Hilly Kiddle, they've both had tournaments where they've played well, but it hasn't been consistent over the season. Um, same with Daniel Gavins as well. He's had a couple of tournaments where he's really been up there and done well, and then there's other tournaments where you know he's not done so well. So the consistency sometimes to... maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. What? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that off again? It's uh, one of the like I think he's like an Italian coach of a football team, and they say like like how how do you play like this? He's like I sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so that's um, you didn't know what was going on. Ah, there, fucking, you? you just took me by surprise there. But I mentioned last time, didn't I? Um, you know, every qualified player in the field this week has got a chance to play the way into next week. Obviously, it's the top fifty. That head to the Jimenei Golf Estate. And that's another point. You've got back to back tournaments here with world rank on points, which is going to be, you know, what, 70 players in this field and then 50 next week. Yeah. So well, there you go. No, there is arguments there, but Will Bessling, he's the lowest qualified player. He's 76th. So that's the lowest that's got in there. Um, and he's 164 points behind 50th spot. So we'll need one of his best results of the season to make his um, second appearance. It'll be for him at the season finale next week. So keep an eye out on those players because uh, anybody who's playing in the field, if they have a good tournament, and I know the DP World Tour normally give you a live showing of, of who's who's sitting where as we go into the weekend. No, no. So it'll be interesting to see who makes it to that championship. But uh, tea times are out as well. Some interesting tea times to look forward to. Mantle's first out this week. He's playing with Sam yeah, Horsfield. He, he must be first out the most. Yeah. He's first out at the Open, wasn't he? Yeah. He's first out at another one. That's his third one. Yeah, he's playing with Mimou Lee and Sam Horsfield, yeah. Yeah. So, Sam Horsfield from Liv as well. Richie Bland's Bland's playing? Well, Richie Bland, Brandon Grace, Adrian Ortega are all returning from the finals in Miami, aren't they? Yeah. Do you know um, who's one of the picks, one of the invites? Luke Donald. Yeah, do you know who he's playing with? Ewan Ferguson and Jordan Smith. Intra- that is a two very get your eyes on them, son. Yeah, Ewan's <laughs> won twice this season. Jordan Smith has obviously won with a record thirty under we spoke about last week, and then he's you know he's had a really good season. So it, both of them are in contention to actually win the whole thing if they have, like you say, back to back wins. We'll see it over the line for both of them. So Sick, imagine eh? that for a season. And then Tommy is teaming up with the other two informed guys this season. It's uh, Ryan Fox and Adrian Moronk. Yeah, so. Some good, um, some good, some good three groups, balls yeah, to look forward, forward to. to yeah. Who've you got? Tommy. Tommy, you're back on Tommy, yeah? yeah? Yeah. He needs a little spark, doesn't he? It'd be great to see him when I think he's 13th or 14th in the rankings. 13th, so, is, yeah. 13th, yeah. So I think a win will, 
at least get him into the top five going into the finals, which would be nice to see him contend them with a chance to actually win the whole thing, won't it? Well, yeah, as you were saying about Bestling there, he's 164 points behind 50th place. Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. Oh, did you say that? Yeah. Oh, missed that part. <laughs> it was the red one I've read. <laughs> it's, it's, quite a, it's, quite, um, it's quite a way back there, isn't it? Points-wise, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's the meaning? He'll have to have one of his best... Um, Best result of the year if he's yeah. gonna if he's gonna get through and obviously he'll need to rely on other players. Not, I mean, yeah. if he wins, that takes care of everything. Obviously, but you know, it, it's gonna be one of them situations that Baldwin was in last week where if you win, it takes care of everything. But the more you slowly go down to fourth, fifth, yeah, sixth, was, you can drop rapidly. You yeah. can drop rapidly, yeah, because the points are the very top heavy, aren't they? So, be interesting. You know, we've got a couple of events to look forward to the 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 penultimate event in South Africa, but. Then we got the tour championship, and then it doesn't stop there. We've got this new schedule to look forward to as well. First in Australia, the the couple of weeks after the tour championships, and then in South Africa. So the golf doesn't stop, like we it say. It doesn't stop. No, ever, <laughs> never, ever. Give us a break. Never, ever. Yeah, but like we said, I hope you've enjoyed the pod as well, always. There's only one more event on the PJ tour after Houston, and then what? Then that goes to. Is there a break then on the PJ Tour, or is that straight straight in? I'm not sure. You know, I know there's the the PNC and all that, isn't there? And the, the Century Tournament of Champions. You know, yeah, but I think actual as events. You got the Hero World Challenge, haven't you? Yeah. The Tiger does the PNC, which is on there. Yeah, but they're like neither here nor there, are they? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's have a little look. Because you know that's the only the, there's only one more. Event after after next week. Yeah, you've got the you've got the RSM Classic next week. Yeah, after this, then you've got like you say, then there's a break, and you've got the Hero World Challenge. Well, how long's the break? The breaks. Then you've got the QB shootout, which is a team one. So after the RSM Classic, you've got the Hero World Challenge, which is a DP, which is a PJ Tour event hosted by Tiger, and then you've got the QB shootout, which is a bit of a. Um, match play one isn't it Kevin Nard and Cockrock won that last year and then it's the Century Tournament Champions in January so after the RSM Classic there's no real full individual event until the Century Tournament Champions yeah and even that's a, a, a shortened field isn't it so it doesn't really kick back up until late Sony Jan, Open the Sony Open that's middle it, of yeah. Jan yeah. yeah yeah but the thing is when that stops you got the the DP World Tour starting over in um it's got those co-sanctioned events with the Sunshine Tour. Oh, that yeah, sort of kicks kick, off with them ones. Yeah. Kicks off over there, yeah, for the for the for their summer as such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, it's been good. Um, obviously, as I say, if anyone wants to have a look at the the clothing brand, it's available to have a look online now. You can pre-order with pre twenty discount code. It'll get you twenty percent off. Uh, we'll be doing some more sales for Black Friday and then again for Christmas. Get your Christmas goods in if you. Any of you women are listening and you want to buy anything for your partners who play golf, then by all means go and do it. We will be having a, a women's range coming next summer. Um, obviously, we're just lifting off with the, with the male section first, and then we'll be moving into the ladies' stuff uh, as, we, as we continue to grow. But, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast. As always, enjoy the golf, and we'll see you all again soon. Ciao. Thank you.